This is the Falcon Twin Podcast from falcontwin.com. I'm Brendan, and this is commentary for pages 23 through 39. So, page 23, we see the inside of the teleportation lab. This is Rie's pet project. You can see in the later strips when she's talking to the kids and working on the project, she actually sort of gets a little bit distracted working on the teleporter. It's supposed to be a split-level room where there's a walkway on one side and the control panel, and it's two or three feet above the floor where the teleporters are, and there are ramps at either end that go up and down. You can kind of see it, but it's not as completely conveyed as I would have liked it to be. Panel 3 looks really sparse. I just really didn't know what else to put on a teleporter floor. Also, I would have liked the room to be a little bit darker and have some better ambience, maybe a little more blue, a little more dimly lit, although with pencils doing dim lighting in blue would have been kind of difficult. Also, if you look, you can see the shape of the teleporter on the far right isn't correct. The door doesn't wrap around properly, and the Photoshop text doesn't blend at all, as most of it doesn't, which is why, as time went on, I used less and less Photoshop text, because it just doesn't blend too well. Page 24, Mika and Yumiko look actually fairly good, especially for the time in the first panel. I like Mika's hands in her pockets and the sort of relaxed posture she's standing there. The mention of soda cans was something that I don't think was in the strip, but I just added because having done the last page and realized, gosh, the teleporters kind of look like soda cans, I decided to throw that in there as a little throwaway joke. The three nerds show up in panel three to sort of give an excuse to do a whole bunch of exposition. The fat kid on the right is blushing because Rie is so very beautiful, and like I said in the last podcast, you just have to trust me that she is beautiful. The last two panels still really amuse me. I, I love the second to last where it's, you know, it's just a nice island out there in the Caribbean and there's a palm tree, a coconut, nice white sand, some little scrupty grass poking through, island off in the distance, and oh, this large radioactive test mass that they accidentally beamed over to the other side of the planet. And the final panel on this page, it doesn't make me laugh quite as much, but it's still not too bad. It really looks like Mega Tokyo to me for some reason. I don't know why, because it doesn't actually look like Mega Tokyo, it just reminds me of it. In one of the panels, Ray mentions that they're having trouble with the targeting scanners, which is meant to foreshadow the teleporter malfunction that sends Mika and Yumiko to the other world. Page 25, look at that wonderful kid there on the left in the first panel. Doesn't he look great? I don't really know why I put the security guys in there. I think that part of it was to foreshadow the appearance of the terrorists later on so that I could show these two guys dead before the terrorists actually made their appearance. And also because it sort of seemed logical that the government would have figured, well, maybe someone would want to get their hands on this teleporter, so we'll throw a couple security guards there. Obviously, they didn't throw very good security guards there because they didn't last very long. Guard on the left kind of looks like Max Headroom. I don't know what that's about, but it's kind of funny. Ray mentions in the last panel that no one would really want the teleporter in the condition that it's in right now, which is, again, more foreshadowing for what's going to happen. Looking back, it might have been interesting to have some test objects laying on the ground in the other world where Mika and Yumiko end up. Like, you know, Rie had been sending stuff through the teleporter and it wasn't coming out the other side, and maybe that's where it all ended up. Although the idea was that it was sort of random where they actually landed, so I don't think that any of the test items would have gone there if they had disappeared. Page 26, I don't really know why Yumiko knows about Star Trek. This is obviously several years in the future, and presumably, you know, people wouldn't really be into that at that time. There's also an error in her dialogue in the first panel. You can see that I forgot to put a space between the question mark and the closing chevron. In the final panel, you can see Rie starting to get distracted, like I said, with her work. She also mentions that the teleporter is safe for humans to go through, which is, again, more foreshadowing. I think this one might have been a little too obvious. In retrospect, I probably could have left it out. If you look on the teleporters, you'll see a symbol that kind of looks like a radiation symbol, but it isn't. 
that's supposed to be an iconic version of the wormhole, which you'll see in the next page, which has three sort of shafts of energy coming out and then swirls in between. And so that's the icon version of it. Someone once pointed out that it looks a lot like Evan's insignia on his collar, which wasn't intentional and was just a mistake on my part. And I felt kind of stupid when they pointed it out and I realized they were right. The title of this page is, Hey, That's My Teddy Bear. And an interesting little point is that that actually is Mika's teddy bear. It has nothing whatsoever to do with the story, but I just found hysterical the idea of Rie sneaking into Mika's room in the middle of the night or something to try to steal her stuff so that she could experiment on it. Page 27, not a whole lot to say about the first two panels. If you look at the fat kid on the left-hand side, he's sort of got bitch tits. Maybe I should have called him Bob, but that's not really a Japanese kid's name. On the right, you can see the teleporter with the three shafts of energy and the swirls that I was talking about. I think I may have gone into a little too much detail about how it all works, especially because whether or not you can use wormholes for anything productive seems to change every two years. So in retrospect, it probably would have been better to be just a little more vague about it all. The blob of nails in the third panel looks really good. I like the way that they all kind of look gooey and melted. And there's a bent one on the right that I really like. Yumiko in panel four also looks pretty good, although Mika herself doesn't. Her expression is sort of swiped wholesale from Chobits, which I was watching a whole lot at the time, and I really liked the series, although they were obviously able to put that expression to much better use on Hideki than I was on Mika. The only bright side of it is that I got a pretty good throwaway joke out of it in the final panel when Yumiko asks what happened to Mika's face. In the final panel, you can see Rie sort of letting her pride get the better of her. She's probably already thinking about accepting her Nobel Prize. Page 28. I'm not really sure what exactly this page was here for. I think it was mainly just a segue from the exposition, which was pretty hardcore in the last few pages, into the events, which are going to happen in the next few pages. It does show somewhat the relationship between Yumiko and Mika, and also introduces the big red button, which gets pressed so faithfully later on towards the end of the chapter. Page 29. The Bully Girls are back, and looking at least a little bit better now than they did previously. Although, panel one, I should say, doesn't really work for me at all. The fist looks pretty bad, Mika's expression looks pretty bad, the big effect thing doesn't look very good. And while Yumiko has her little spat with the two bully girls, Mika's spidey sense is tingling. This is something else that I bring back in chapter six, so keep an eye out for that. When two thuds happen, that means bad shit is about to go down in the world of Falcon Twin. Page 30, he really was just one day from retirement, or at least that's what they said in the movie. The final panel is supposed to be shocking, I guess. Uh, it doesn't really accomplish that for me anyway. Presumably the terrorists are a whole lot better prepared for this operation than the government was. Obviously bad shit is going down, whatever could it be. Page 31, there are the terrorists. We have woman, we have old guy, we have Arab guy, and we have guys you never see, number one and number two. And in the final panel, old guy kind of looks surprised. Why is he surprised? Page 32, because the room's full of kids. Presumably, they just expected to find a couple of technicians, if that, and probably, of course, Rie. And now he has to deal with all of this. Nice little moment of the kids all sort of lined up. And it's great to have pretty much almost the whole cast of students lined straight up looking out at the terrorists. And the terrorists stare back at the kids. And I'd name this page Fight Club, which I really wish I hadn't done, because I should have saved that for a page that would have been more suited to it. Yumiko, for whatever reason, looks Latina in panel three. I don't know what that's all about. It wasn't intentional, but it's sort of been on my mind for a long time that she looks like that. And I can just picture the old guy's eye twitching in the final panel as Arab guy asks him, what are all these children doing here? Page 33, terrorist girl. She's here to kill. 
probably got a few issues to work through. You'll notice that she's speaking English. She only speaks English. The other two speak Japanese. The old guy replies to her in English. Mika can kind of understand what they're saying. Her English is better than Yumiko's. Yumiko probably only picked up on the word kill and so had to turn to ask Mika what they were talking about. And of course, Mika heard them, so she's standing there looking stunned. The terrorists already know who they're looking for. You can tell the old guy addresses Rie by name, although he could have just read her name tag. But no, he knew who she was and what she was doing. They came for her. Also, the extreme close-up in the last panel is yet another extreme close-up that I don't like to do very much anymore. Page 34, Rie kind of walks right into this one with the whole we're taking you with us. There's an error on this page, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. I want you to see if you can spot it. It's a technical error. It's not a, an art thing or something. Rie displays an impressive amount of temerity on this page, considering she's confronted by five dudes with AK-47s. There's Mika and Yumiko reacting in the background of panel five. If you look through the pages in the first chapter, you'll see that there really aren't a whole lot of backgrounds. Most of the time, it's not really so much of a problem, but on panel five, on page 34, it really is. It would have been fine if it were just Rie and nothing else, and it were all white, that probably would have been fine. But because there's Rie and the two girls in the background, and nothing else in the background, it looks just like this huge, vast, empty void of white. It looks really desolate. Page 35. Mika looks actually pretty good in panel two. The only problem I have with this is that it's kind of out of character for her. She probably shouldn't have shouted at them, maybe just whimpered about it and started sobbing uncontrollably and loudly. At this point in the strip, she didn't really have this kind of courage to be screaming at people, let alone people with AK-47s. Note the teensy, teensy, tiny hand of the terrorist girl on panel three. Panel five and six, Yumiko getting them into trouble because, of course, terrorist girl is just itching to kill someone. Page 36. Page 36 is uh, sort of pathetic, if you ask me. Yumiko's kind of all right in the third panel. She actually doesn't look very good, but I like the way that she seems to have sort of accepted her fate. What I do really like on this page is Mika's expression in panel three. Her look of determination actually really works for me. Page 37. Now, this is a little bit more in character for Mika, especially with the buildup on the prior page, the way that Mika decides that she's going to try to protect Yumiko, of course. Protecting people from you know, an assault rifle isn't going to help you too terribly much. But it's a nice gesture. It symbolizes their relationship. The girls are awfully skinny in the first panel. Terrorist girl is, of course, enjoying every minute of this little drama that's playing out in front of her. If you look, as I mentioned, more badly integrated Photoshop text on the last panel with the safety and the fire text. And, of course, I think that the Kalashnikov is Russian. So I have no idea if the safety fire text is actually in English. Page 38, the big buildup is Mika getting that shot. Is she going to die? No! They are saved at the last moment. Rie's reaction in panel two is kind of interesting. Terrorist girl looks really disappointed, though. The old guy thinking dumb broad is a nice, nice touch in the second to last panel. Arab guy is very polite. His Japanese is probably more fluent than old guy, which is something that you can't really tell from the strip, but I always thought about it that way. He's also probably more technically inclined. Rie is going to be explaining how the teleporter works to him, not to old guy or any of the other people. Mika and Yumiko run off, and now we're on page 39, SWAT to the rescue, or at least whatever the Japanese equivalent of the SWAT is. The terrorists, of course, waste no time grabbing hostages. Terrorist girl grabs nerd boy. If you look in the background, you can see the fat kid. The figures in panel two look kind of strange. Fortunately, they're small, so it doesn't look too bad or noticeable but they do look a little goofy if you look really close. 
and the final panel, Old Guy Holds Rie Hostage. Yumiko comforts Mika, but there's no comfort in sight. Tune in next time for the exciting conclusion of Falcon Twin, Chapter 1. So there.